Welcome to season one of Heather's Observations. Join me as I chat with people from different countries and backgrounds and hear firsthand stories of their immigrant journey. Thank you for joining me today, Clinton. I really appreciate you joining me to share your personal story. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to the conversation. Thank you. Great, great. So let's just jump right into it. Um, can you tell me a little, about your, a little bit about yourself, your background, where you're from, and where do you currently reside, or anything else you would like to, to you, the listeners to, to know? Sure. So, um, so my name is Clinton, and I'm originally from Jamaica. Um, the cool, nice tourist um, attraction parish, which is Westmoreland, so it's very famous for the beach, you know, and the greenery and the farming aspect of the western region of Jamaica. So currently I reside in the UK and um, over in the East Midlands side of the UK. And um, <clears throat> I, I, my, my profession, um, I've got lots of <laughs> things that I'm involved <laughs> with, but my profession, uh, main bread and butter is um, cyber, in cybersecurity. And I have my side gig, which is in the food and beverage arena. Great. Just a uh, full disclosure to the listening audience. I, our families are from the same place in Jamaica, so I can clearly envision where you're from because it's the same place where my family's from, which is really great. <laughs> sure. And, um, I look forward to, you know, getting some more information throughout this interview. Sure. Um, so you're living in the UK. Can you tell me what age did you immigrate to the, to the UK and, and what was the reason be, or was there a reason behind that? Sure. So I was in Jamaica. I'm studying. I was at a teacher's college um, in Jamaica and I got the opportunity, like a few other uh, other students, really. I was studying business and, and technology there and um, the opportunity came up for a few students to go abroad. So some of the scholarships were for um, the UK, uh, Monroe College in New York, and there were some for Canada as well. And I applied for it to say, you know what, if you don't try, you won't know, right? If you're not in the mix of things, you won't have a chance. And I actually applied for a scholarship and um, just kind of forget about it, really. And mm -hmm. My application was to the UK um, because I think the nature of the course that I was doing it was more aligned to the offering at the equivalent college in the UK. And I was successful with the scholarship. So um, I left Jamaica circa 2000, 2003. Um, and that was, I think I was about 22 then. Yes. And... Um, been the UK study and um, from one thing you know leads to another I studied I came to study um, business and technology um, and this was a diploma course and then they had these top-up courses that they add on so for an extra year or so you can achieve your bachelor's um, degree in that area and I jumped to the opportunity and from one thing leads to another I went on to study my master's as well and that actually happened pretty much at the same time 
when I actually got a proper cybersecurity role. Wow. And I was also in the middle, uh, towards the tail end of my first degree. Um, so just to give you a little bit of story. So I applied for this top of degree and part of the, the, the top of degree was that they had this thing called sandwich courses. Mm-hmm. Uh, sandwich course was say a four-year course, but you technically do three and you do one-year placement in the industry. Um, but when I applied for my course, I just applied just to do a top-up. And if the op- and the option was open that if you get a, 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 a work experience, you can just switch over easily. And so said, it actually worked out whereby I got work experience. And then part of my completion of that degree was to write up some reports about my work experience and a dissertation. And whilst I was in that process, I found another uh, course that was really fitting to what my aspirations were, and which was to be cybersecurity experts or professional. And I started the master's then towards the tail end. So in one year, I was doing a completing a first degree and a master's and, wow. and, and working at the same time as well. So it was a heavy year. <laughs> wow. And, That's and you know very how it heavy. Is. Yeah, you know how it is with Caribbean or I would say Afro-Caribbean um, immigrants, you know, when they go to a foreign country, they go to grasp opportunity with both hands, legs, toes and everything. And Definitely. for me, I wasn't going to go back without being super equipped and be more equipped than people who are local back home. So wow. I did that. And as I say, you know, the rest is history and still evolving. <laughs> Wow, that's uh, you definitely decided to take full advantage of that opportunity, <laughs> didn't you? Full, full steam ahead. My definitely. goodness. So, so you going to the UK on this scholarship, I'm going to assume that you were um, alone. You didn't go with any other family members. How, right. how can you tell me? I know you were probably the opportunity to advance your education and career was the driving force. But how did you feel when you left your country? And how you know, and also when you first arrived, like when you first <clears throat> left Jamaica, how did you feel when you got to England? Um, it it was surreal, and you know, when you're in Jamaica and you see other people leaving the country to go abroad, you know that well they they're making a move for um, the better of their family to help their family back home, and for me. I had first-hand experience of that with whether it be cousins, uncles, and indeed my mom was also away at the time. So you kind of get used to being almost not left behind, but being there and knowing that the opportunity is there. Now it's your turn Mm -hmm. and it's going to be surreal. And I actually left my sister back home as well, you know, and she was like the last person to leave because my dad went after my mom and then both my sister try and travel together and go on holiday to visit them overseas. Um, and because the college that I was at as well, <clears throat> it was a boarding college where you could go back home for the weekends. It almost felt like you left home already, just that you're in a different city. You mean the and college that you, sorry, the college that you were at in Jamaica? In Jamaica, yes. Right, yes. Okay. So, okay. so it's almost like a, not a halfway house, but a step away from home you know right. to be so far away so the feeling was surreal in terms of 
wow, I never really won anything and I won a scholarship and this is going to be life-changing. And, you know, it was great. It was a buzz. And you don't really think of much of the emotions as such. You just see the opportunity um, right. to help your, your your family back home. And, and Sheena, my sister, was 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 that next person to help in line. Um, so when I got here... You know, you see things on TV when you watch the movies, you see the snow and these guys all layered up with all the hats and the gloves, etc. So that anticipation was there before leaving. And all you talk with your friends like, whoa, you're going to be freeze to death. You're going to a freezer box. Why of all the places? Why do you go there, (laughs) etc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so so when, when, when you got there, was it like the reality hit? Like the cold was different than what you saw on television or... It, it it was different at, at some point, but then you'll be like, wow, you, you get so frantic about it when you see the snow, you touch it, you're actually out there playing in it and like, wow, this is like on television. And yes, it was cold and you were shivering like crazy. And I mean, I, I <laughs> when I got here, I bought a, a, a coat. And to this date, I still have that quote. And I remember some <laughs> crazy comments that people make about even my friends who came up on the scholarship to do different um, areas of study. They, I, I always, they always ask me about that quote. And it, it was very nice and warm, but it looks like some... <laughs> it looks like some, what? Some, 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 some like you see these, these um, guys in movie or these Italian like, like sopranos and those coats that you see these guys wear sometimes and it was a memorable thing to be here in the cold in the snow playing in it taking pictures in it and just having fun but on the other side the culture was something of a difference as well in terms of how people receive you and relate to you as well so in, in regards to that what was the big adjustment for you as far as the culture the culture for me um it was shocking um, however, the, the, the consortium of counselors who are in government, who were the sponsors and partners with these universities, both back home and local here in, in the UK, they, they, they really, really did a great job of helping us to acclimatize to our natives. So by that, I mean to the Jamaican and Caribbean community. So we have community centers, etc., that we'll go to and hang out and enjoy the, the, the luxury of the food, the culture, the conversations, the dominoes and all of those things. But out there in the big wide world, the culture was definitely different. Um, so to give an example, just walking down the street or coming out of your house and saying hello to your neighbor was something strange. Because sometimes <laughs> sometimes they don't answer you. They look at you like you're strangers, really, like you're alien, you know. So right, that was right. one of the biggest culture shock. And as you know, back home in Jamaica, everyone knows everyone by name, 10 miles in both directions, you know. Right. <laughs> and, and and you chat, you stop and laugh and you move on. And you also, you know, can share things. So you share the salt or you share something that they don't have or you do a barter. Just, just chit chat yeah. over the fence. That was completely a big shocker for me because it was very unfriendly. Um, and in, even with the strong, thick accent as well, when you study in university and college, you stood out and people look at you differently and react and respond to you differently. 
Yeah, that's definitely a difference when you live in Jamaica, especially in a smaller community. And even if, um, you know, you live in the community and, and let's say you, you're born elsewhere and you come back to visit family members, grandparents and so on, they may not know you, but they know that you're Miss So-and-So's granddaughter. So yes, they'll yes. talk to you as if they know you. It's a very familiar type of community setting, yes, um, yes. which is very different in other countries. Um, so... One of the things that I've noticed is you keep saying back home. And for, the, for those people that are not familiar with that term, can you explain really the term back home? Even is home the UK or is home Jamaica? When you refer to back home, where do you feel like home is? <laughs> I think for most people who were born in their home country, uh, country of birth, uh, will always... I think for most part, I'm, I'm assuming here, but for most people, home is always Jamaica. And a, an example of that um, is whatever you do, you send back money to home to help others. Um, whatever you do and however you achieve, you you try and build a property back home or help someone to start a business back home or help your family or friend to go to university back home. So home is almost like the go to and 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 the new place of abode such as england is almost like it's part it's a home it's like your second home but it's not your heart home it's not your heart and soul yes definitely it's it's a vessel you know and you're just traveling through ah that's an interesting it's the vessel that you're traveling through yeah yeah so yeah home is home people most most Natives will always refer to their homeland where they were born in a native country as home. And some will say, yeah, I'm going back home. But in essence, it's maybe a light chat if you're out with friends and stuff. Oh, I'm going back. I'm going home now. But home is, when you talk about home, you mean home at heart, home in the soul, home soil and home turf, you know? Yeah, that's interesting that you say that. And I'm reflecting on a few people that, uh, you know, I know people from a lot of different countries, but I, I find that Jamaicans specifically have, a, a, have a, a link to Jamaica where they always call it home, even subconsciously. I don't think people, you know, home, yard, that kind of thing. Going back to yard, sure. you know, that's, that's, that's that terminology that's, that's inbreded in us. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, Um so, so can you exp- can you share? You mentioned that you know going to England, UK. You said hello to people, and they looked at you like you were strange. That's a very foreign thing in a lot of countries and cultures. Did you experience any other um, funny? Can you can you share an experience that was either funny or unfamiliar, or maybe even challenging that you had when you first got to your new home? Shall we call it? Yeah, one well, I think. Apart from the courtesies uh, <clears throat> of hello and being neighborly, your accent um, was something that you needed to modify or to adjust. So by that, I mean, you try and speak slower and you try and put on the twang to get your point and your conversation across clearly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is that, now as I'm is that I know you're slowing down and you're sort of getting <laughs> yes. your point across. Is that because people didn't understand you or you didn't understand the quite that British accent? Which I wonder which way that went. It's a little bit of both, but it was a bit more on my side for them to understand me. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, so that was one aspect. And um, <laughs> the other aspect, <laughs> this is quite funny. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So the other aspect uh, was, you know, back home, you'll be traveling in a taxi or uh, on the minibus. You know, minibus tend to have 20, 30 people on, in it, depending on size. And, you know, you'll be rushing to get the bus and you just drag your shoes on and you have one lace left to tie and the bus is driving off and you'll shout and run down and flag down the bus, wave your hand out. The driver will stop for you. Over yeah. here, over here, I mean, I, that happened to me a few times. <laughs> yeah. And and I, you know, you run the bus and I was like, well, it's not even time yet for them to leave or I'm just right here. They could just stop. The bus just drove on. <laughs> you know, ah. they don't stop for you and they just continue. They're on a schedule. They're yeah, on a schedule. They, yeah. Yeah. And they see you coming because you're running towards them. And it's like, you're not at the bus stop, so I'm off. <laughs> it's, it's funny. You know what I thought you were going to say? Um, having lived in the U.S. for a long time, but being born in England, um, I thought you were going to talk about the queue, how people in the U.K. queue, meaning line up for the bus. Sure, sure. That's one. For, for versus in Jamaica or even in the U.S., with everyone just sort of crowds around when the bus comes, everybody sort of elbows in to get in first so we don't have that cue i thought that's what the the, the story you're gonna tell that's funny I, I, yeah i've had that situation as well and where i kind of just walk up and you forget where you are for a minute and it's like excuse me you're excuse right, me. right. There's, there's, there's a queue here um or you go on the bus and you know that there's space on the bus but everybody's seated and it's like well there's no seat left on the bus so i'm gonna drive in jamaica everybody packed up in like sardines standing you know and holding on to the rails and the barriers <laughs> oh yeah 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 the buses in jamaica may be for 20 people but they have 50 people on there so exactly yes, i know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about um yeah. so so moving on what are some of the biggest misconceptions that you think people had about you as an immigrant either you specifically coming from jamaica or the misconception people in england had about uh, immigrants in general do you have any examples of that or ideas around that? Um, I think there there are a few, and one of them, I think, from a, a black person's perspective, and and I'll come back to the broader sense of immigrants. So, from a black person's perspective, they don't really see you and recognize you as anyone of any value to society as such mm. um, and I guess it depends on their culture and the way how they were cultured and taught in school and maybe they've got their own stereotypes about black people in general but yeah. on a broader note for immigrants it was a case of they're here to take our jobs um, but at the same time the jobs that we are willing to do given the sacrifices that we make um, and what we want to do for our future we just grab that opportunity it's paying money and we're just gonna go for that so they see that as a threat but equally that same job they themselves aren't doing it and won't do it so so they they see us as, as someone who's coming to take their jobs and and it's, it's not something that people take lightly and it's not it's not just for jamaicans or afro-caribbeans it's for the europeans and other foreigners if you're a foreigner you're a threat to somebody in whatever way that is because foreigners tend to one do things a certain way um, in terms of how they carry themselves how they take care of the, of the homes and how they go about doing certain things uh, in, in a meticulous manner 
um, and 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 sometimes that can be a, a sign of jealousy to like because you're saving money, right? And you make sure that you look good when you put when you when you dress up to go out or the food you eat or what you buy etc so they see you come as a foreigner thinking who do you think you are and why are you being like that but you know you and your standards but right. they live here they're not going anywhere um, um so they they kind of take some kind of a feel like some form of jealousy or you know envy somewhat in general that's interesting. Um, there's and and you're in the UK, and uh, there's been I've had conversations with people in the US uh, with that sort of general thing about the sort of non-immigrant uh, mentality. People, immigrants, are coming to take our jobs and so on. But I just wonder, and I, I'm not going to dwell on this, but I just wonder if part of that is a lack of understanding on both sides, right? A lack of understanding of the culture and the peoples for instance from jamaica on the part of the british and vice versa like a lack of understanding of both sides as to why you're there and for them to understand why you left your country and also for the immigrants <clears throat> to understand why that citizen of the uk for instance feels that threat do you think that's part of it like a lack of understanding i think so on on on, on both sides and i think probably mainly on the the british side because if we go back to history right and one of the most topical thing um nowadays and still ongoing in the media is around the windrush generation um where england and the, the monarch the queen etc government they really went out to the caribbean and other countries to get those people here to help build this country yes um, the new generation don't really know of that history and how black people and Afro-Caribbean contributed to the building of this country. So that's one lack of understanding and appreciation um, on, on one hand. And for us, in terms of understanding where they're coming from, I think it's easy for us to understand where they're coming from, but we cannot negate the fact that they are more in the dark in terms of the knowledge and why we are here. We are here for better opportunity. The interesting right. thing is that these people, they love their holidays and they always want to go to a sunny beach country, which is mm -hmm. ours, the Caribbean. Mm -hmm. But yet we are the product of that same country that they go to and chill, have fun. But when we come here to work and contribute productively to society, it's seen as something negative or they don't appreciate that, but they want to come to our country and enjoy the niceties. So I think on both levels, there's understanding and knowledge that's locking, locking somewhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's a very complex uh, conversation. That's a, I guess it, maybe that'll be another interview, but the sure. whole wind rush and people... Uh, the Brit, as you said, Britain invited, requested yes, yes. these people to come to help build the country. So, yeah, it's um, there's a lot of, I think, dialogue that needs to continue to start and continue in that regard. Sure. Moving on, um, did you when you um, immigrated, did it have any effect? You mentioned that your mom was somewhere else. Eventually, your dad was somewhere else and you left your younger sister in Jamaica somewhere else, meaning in a different country. Was there any effect on your relationships with your family members, especially those close families, parents and <clears> siblings, <throat> for you immigrating to, to the UK? 
Not really, apart from missing them and not seeing them on a regular basis. And a regular basis for me would be weekly or fortnightly because at the time I was studying away um, from home from in a different city. So we, we tend to see each other on the weekends or for a week when it's holiday. But growing up in, <clears throat> in, in, in Jamaica or anyone growing up in, in, in the Caribbean, really, it's the norm that parents, family members will go away and it's just life. You just live on and go with it because you know that they make a sacrifice for you and you understand that you miss them, but you love them and you appreciate what they're doing and know that they're still thinking and looking out for you and taking care of you. So there's some aspect of that where it's it's sad at times because the, the full family unit isn't around you to yeah. nurture and support you. However, you have other extended family members and the, 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 the village, it says, there's a saying that it takes a village to raise a child. And that was exactly with, with me and other members of my village and community because my aunties was around, my uncles and cousins was around. So In Jamaica. In, in, Jamaica. in Jamaica, yeah, uh-huh. <clears throat> in Jamaica, and it was still a close knit family. Even then, when I was at college, my I'd go back home, and my auntie knows that I'm coming back home on the weekend. My dinner, my food will be ready there for the whole weekend for me. And when I leave to go back to college, I've got my pack away and tuck away with food to go back. So the the, the spirit and the love and togetherness was always what kept us together, even though we didn't have, say, my dad or my mom close or right. in the country so to speak but they were sending and providing for us whether it be paying for the school fees the food and your upkeep but and then when you went to the UK it was different right so there's no weekend home and so on and so forth so was there any Very. difference there when you went to the UK huge difference because even when I came to the UK I only had one close family member here that we were in contact with and that in itself was still a challenge. It was closer. You're in the same country, but you're like three, four hours away from each other. It, even though you know that someone is there, it still doesn't feel like the family unit is there or, or a close member of the family unit was there because I've been here um, with no family, close family members around. And um, I eventually got another other child, a, a son, um, that became, he became my closest blood family um, to me. And still, there's not a lot of other families around um, for me. So it was strange. It's like moving to a different place completely where there's no blood ties, so to speak. And that in itself is scary, but it, teaches you a lot in terms of survival and how to really keep your head above the water and be strong resilient yeah definitely and and really have faith and knowing that you're on this journey for a reason and you can do it yeah definitely you know speaking of that if you reflect on your life you know abroad in the uk how do you think your life would have been different what what one one thing can you say your life would have been different if you had not had this scholarship opportunity to go to the UK and further, and um, you did quite a bit of advancement in your education as well as your career. What what do you think um, would have been different if you had stayed in Jamaica or stayed at, at home? Um, if I stayed at home as in home in Jamaica, if I didn't get a scholarship, um, yes, my life would be completely different. But 
different to what extent I don't know, but in my head, given the trajectory that I was on, I probably would still be in the technology arena or the real estate or construction arena or the grocery and food arena because those were really my passion and I've developed some experience back home in the groceries and retail arena as well as the construction and architecture arena and the IT part was just complementary to that so I would either be in one of those three areas um, my life in terms of my education yes it probably would be different um, but also I know that I'm always a, a person who studies and seek knowledge and, and, and empowering myself with the tools to be ready for change. So I know that I'll probably still be studying something or have developed other or acquired more qualifications on that front. Okay, great. Um, I'm going to throw this question in here. And, you know, you've given us a bit about your journey. And the next section I'm going to go into is your current you know, status in life, but um, we all have, uh, a lot of us grew up with grandmothers, elders in our family, especially in the Jamaican community. There's a lot of sayings and things that we were, that we, we may not even have realized we learned it. Yeah. It was all subconscious. We heard it and it's, it, it's in our consciousness and it comes out of us when we least expect it. So can you tell me one of your favorite sayings or phrases that maybe your grandmother or an elder used to say in Jamaica? So you'll, you could say it in um, the Jamaican phrase and then just sort of try to translate it, translate it for the non-Jamaicans. <laughs> this must be, a good, must be a good one because you're laughing. So I can't <laughs> wait to hear it. Um, I was thinking about my grandma, actually, um, who I'm very, very close to <clears throat> on my dad's side. And she always <laughs> say, we look about me talawa. And yeah. literally, uh, literally, that means a lot because she was actually under five feet. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But she was a strong, resilient woman. So little but Bitalawa means, you know, it's like David and Goliath. David yeah. is very small, you know, but they have stamina, resilience, and that power and energy that and belief that they can do anything. So me little but me talawa. I'm little, but I'm talawa. I've got substance. Um, so yeah, that, that resonates with me because when you were talking, I was literally listening. I was playing her voice in my head. In your mind, that. yeah, yeah. yeah it's interesting yeah. That, because you probably don't realize it. Earlier you mentioned resilience and yes. being strong. And it's just interesting that the phrase that you remember from your grandmother is sort of how you've lived your life, especially when you had to go to the UK and... Um, sure. True. you know be be by yourself so that's you know those things stay with us that's True. awesome so True. going on to uh, your current status can you tell us you know tell me where you are now in your life's journey you know um and what you're doing for yourself now okay so <clears throat> so i've been been here for quite a while now um more than 15 years going um I mentioned earlier on that I studied business and IT and went on to do my master's. My master's was in um, information security and network security. So in, in the bigger scheme of things nowadays, it's cyber security. I studied cyber security and a lot of other industry professional qualifications. So around cyber security, those who are listening, it really it looks at protecting your privacy and your data, both online and offline. 
Um, so we can I just can I just say can I just say it's interesting. You ended up in the UK. I ended up in America. You say privacy, and I say privacy. Yes. Just, yes. just, just wanted, wanted potato, to point potato. that out. Yes, exactly, <laughs> tomato, exactly. Tomato, <laughs> tomato, tomato. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry so, to yeah, interrupt. I, yeah. And, and and that is exactly some of the challenges as well in, in, in terms of coming here. You know, you say things one way and it's pronounced another way. That was one of the challenges uh, to answer one of the previous question. You know, the way yeah. you say things, it means something different or the, the translation doesn't land as the other receiver expected it. So, yeah. So in terms of that, in terms of cybersecurity, and um, ever since I came to England, I've always done baking and cooking on weekends. And even before I came here, I was doing my cooking um, back home, just hung out with the guys cooking. And when I was back home in Jamaica, I was cooking on campus and doing other entrepreneurial things on campus. So I'll do photocopying and printing assignments and sell refreshments on site. That entrepreneurship follows me, followed me from way back then and it wasn't just yeah. in college back home in Jamaica I was born in my parents business so I think I was breded in that way to be an entrepreneur so having been here studied cybersecurity, I went on to set up my own small consultancy and on this side I continue to do my cooking and catering to the point where I started out of the back of my car and the boot of my car to go into events, festivals, private parties, cooking and catering for events and move on to a gazebo, two gazebos, three gazebos at festivals. And then we, <clears throat> I went on to um, own my own drivable food truck um, and other trailers that goes to different festivals. This is all whilst I am, um, doing my cybersecurity because cybersecurity was like the bread and butter bank to support that right, side gig. Right. And and whilst I'm saying that, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of something that I often hear where people say, well, you do so many things. You must be a Jamaican or early Jamaican. I have so much job. You have loads of job like a Jamaican. Oh, my God. I was <laughs> just going to interject and say, you're a true Jamaican. You've got 10 jobs. Yes. Oh, yes. That, that is hilarious. You're living up to that stereotype. Wow. It's crazy, right? Yeah. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. So, from a business perspective and professional perspective, those are the things that I I, I, I'm i involved with and in my personal life I, I, I always work out even when I was in Jamaica and I continue to do that um, I'm quite keen on keeping fit um, as I said to you earlier I, 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 had a, I had a son as well so only one child um, as well um, but yeah I don't know what else to cover off from there from, from a professional and personal perspective i love food and i love cooking and i've i've i've, I've dreamed dreamt of having my own food business and it it eventually happened you know and i'm still working at it that's um, great so yeah. you brought the taste you brought the taste of jamaica and all the flavors and the style of cooking and everything to the uk the stuff that you learned growing up as a as a child and your love of, of cooking and you're sharing that on top of your entrepreneurial spirit. Sure. I think what, what, what is the, we could probably call you a serial entrepreneur. I think that's the term. <laughs> <laughs> so you definitely are bringing the, the culture of Jamaica to the UK. 
definitely i've tried to do my bit i know there's a lot of people trying to do their bit as well you know so and, I, and i've been through all the other scenarios and other business ventures not just food and cyber security in the past as well but yeah as i said it's always been there that entrepreneurial spirit has always been there um, that's great yeah so so you mentioned that you have a child do you how have you exposed your child to your jamaican culture what what have you taught him about your culture um, well, I've tried in many ways um, to, to help him to understand and indulge in the culture. And <clears throat> some of the things that we cook, some of the food that we cook, I, from an early age, I actually um, showed him how to cook those and, 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 and he loved some of those things. And at first it was too spicy and it wasn't all that. But as they grow older, um, they tend to um, enjoy these things more kids in general. Um, so I taught him how to make dumplings, um, taught him how to cook rice and do other small dishes and stuff like that. Um, I right. taught, and, and you know, from back home, you, you usually learn from an early age to iron your clothes. Oh, yes. For Jamaicans school, clean your shoes, clean yes, your shoes yes. ready for yes. the next week or the next day. I've done all of that from a very, very tender age with some challenges here and there, of course, from <laughs> different parties. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. I, I, I taught them that, uh, him that, you know, and at the end of the day, whether or not he carries that through to his upbringing and how he lives his life. That's another thing. But I've tried every way. I've even read to him um, night times when he was very small at bedtime reading. I actually read some of his books in Patwa. Oh, and wow. that was that was the funniest. And it resonates and it definitely had a big impact on him going off to bed because he was always laughing. And sometimes when we finish reading and leave him and close the room, you could hear him in there practicing reading in Padua and laughing his head off before he goes to that, bed so there's a that's few unique that's I like yeah. that I like that you know you hear people that speak a different language other than English teach their kids their language whether it's Spanish French uh and so on but I've never actually heard someone say that they've read their children their books in Patwa, so the, the child can get that's great. I like that. Yeah, and the, and the books the books aren't written in Patwa, just to be right. just to be clear. <laughs> no, no, I got you. I got you. It's it's great. I think I love that. That's something yeah, new. Yeah, yeah. So um, I've tried to try and to, to pass on a few of the cultural things, such as the cooking, the reading, the you know, the, the, the keeping your etiquette and your keeping your shoes clean and your ironing your own clothes, washing your own you know, briefs or underpants, et cetera, you know, just the stuff that you do back home that is just normal because in this country, everything is all machine related. So you just throw things in the washing machine. You just leave things at the door, such as your shoes. You don't really take much care of it, you know, and those mm -hmm. were some of the key things that I was taught growing up and present, looking presentable and taking care of the things that you, you have. Great. Interesting. Um, do you, you know, you've got the opportunity, which was a great opportunity, and you certainly have taken full advantage and then some of the opportunity of the scholarship and being in the UK. Do you ever experience any feelings, you yourself? You know, there's people that didn't have the opportunity, people that you grew up with or family members and so on that would have loved to have the opportunity to go to college or seek their profession. And maybe they didn't have the opportunity in Jamaica because a lot of people are poor they don't have the connections, they can't leave, they don't get the opportunity to leave. 
and they can't pursue, you know, some of the things that they would like to in, um, in Jamaica. So do you ever experience any feelings of, I don't know, I, I'm going to call it opportunity guilt. And I, um, I don't know if you, that's clear what I mean by that. Like, yeah, I get, what, I get what you're saying that you got this, but others didn't get it really. Yeah. Others didn't, weren't that fortunate. I think what's, what's for you is for you. That's another thing my grandma used to say, you know, what's ah. for you, what's, what's for you are for you. It can't be unfeel. you. Yeah, yeah. You know, and if you're in the right place, the right time, and God is working in your way, things will happen. Maybe that other person who didn't get the opportunity, they are better off where they are because other opportunity will present themselves locally that they can blossom and shine in. And I think for me, that was me, and I just went for it rather than refusing it or didn't go for it and then regret that I didn't go for it in the, in, in the future. So for me, I make the best of all the options that are around me and I try and fail uh, rather than not try at all and then, you know, have that guilt. So no, I don't have that guilt, opportunity guilt to say, oh, I got this and the other yeah. person didn't get it. No, what's yours is yours. Your time will come for whatever that is, whether it be for you to stay local in, your, in the country or for you to move on somewhere else. Yeah, I like that. What is for you will be for you. Yeah? Sure, sure. Definitely. Do you, do you think people lose anything when they migrate, whether it's language, close ties, culture, traditions, sometimes invisible stuff? Do you think people lose anything? Or did you, do you think you, let me speak to you, do you think you lost anything when you, might, when you immigrated? Um, I think I probably lost some sense of fun and belonging because sometimes you want to just be in that environment be whether mm. it be with with people or without people just that environment the sunshine the birds tweeting this the the the, the, the surrounding the smell the the tropical feel and vibes and energy i miss that you know, yeah. the sunshine and, you know, just the hustle and bustle, the noise around you, whether it be when you go to the market, etc. Just that feel. It feels so great when you go back and visit. And it's like, wow, I missed it. Even now you see things on social media. It's like, wow, you want to cry or, damn, I really missed this. I want to go back, you know. So, yes, I do miss that. From a language, yeah. from, a, from an invisible or other perspective, some of the language, yes, you kind of dilute and adapt. Um, mm -hmm. And so when you go back there, sometimes you just snap in. But other right, right, people, right. depending, yeah, depending on where they live and their socioeconomic condition, it's like they never left Jamaica because they live in the same community around the same Jamaican or Caribbean people. So they doesn't, there, there isn't any missing out on anything, so to speak. But there's missing out because they are probably limiting themselves just to that community and that group of people when they could be exposed to other parts of the culture and opportunities as well. But that's not the case for me. Okay. Great. All right. Just for fun, let's do some uh, word associations. I'm going to mention something. You think of the first word that comes to your mind. <laughs> okay. okay. It's, so, it's so tricky. No, 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 no. It's, uh, trust <laughs> me. It's just... Uh, just sort of gives people an idea of who you are. Yeah, you know. Uh, when I mentioned family. Family, love, togetherness. Okay, those are two words, but I'll give you that. Okay. 
Journey. Ah, success. Opportunities. <laughs> Home. Home. Um, culture. Okay. What's your favorite food? You can oh, give more than one word. This is difficult. Um, my favorite. Oh food. boy! You have to choose just one. Uh, it's not that I have a lot. It's just that I don't feel committed to a favorite thing but <laughs> you don't I, you don't I, feel I, committed okay well it doesn't require a strong commitment <laughs> just you know what is your palate and joy curry curry goat is is something i really love and jerk chicken um and of okay. course that is my home stuff right right what's your favorite song my favorite song is one of bob marley's which is one love Oh, One my heart. goodness. That yeah. is my favorite song. Really? How spooky. <laughs> yes, I love that song. I have a lot oh, of favorites, goodness. but Bob Marley is one of those timeless artists. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And what is your favorite? Oh, yeah, I think you mentioned your favorite saying earlier. I don't know if you want to add sure. a different one. Yeah, favorite my saying. favorite saying, I think, when the circumstances, what, um, I've got the collection of maybe top five, which is, it is what it is. Life goes on. Ah, okay. Did you learn that? Did you learn that in Jamaica or no? Um, I think probably part of before I, I, I yeah, and it becomes more real to me here because there's no harm, no 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 harm, no um issues crying over spilled milk, right? It's happened, it's done, move on, you know, build on it. Yeah. Good, good, uh, good. Uh, it comes back to being resilient, doesn't it? Sure, sure. That's, definitely. that's the theme here. It seems so, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, we're coming to the end of the interview. Is there anything else that you would like to share before we finish? Um, no, just that it's brilliant uh, to see you. And I'm sure that we could have a lot more conversations and chats about different aspects of my journey and maybe focus more into some of those themes theme areas and 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 the culture and and different aspect of my journey to this point but thank you it's been great to chat and laugh and it was a great interview thank you definitely and you're giving me ideas you know this is round one and um I have a feeling there'll be more rounds of interviews <laughs> to to go deeper into some of the topics that uh, came up today Sure. I really appreciate you spending your time to share your immigrant journey with us and in your own words, telling the story. And it's been great. It's been very enlightening. So thank you very much. And we will talk soon. Great. Thank you for having me and speak to you soon. Thanks a lot. All right. Thank you. Take, Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for joining me on this storytelling journey. Please follow my podcast so you won't miss out on upcoming episodes where I will delve into lots more interesting discussions.